Welcome to the Unbreakable Mindset Podcast, your burst of weekly inspiration to keep your mindset on track to manifest your greatest desires. I am Jude Don't, your host, a world-renowned mindset coach, helping my clients and now you, the listener, to break free of the mental struggle, find contentment, meaning and purpose in your life. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 35. I had some issues with the episode I put out last week. Like, what what was going on? I put it out on the Monday instead of the Tuesday. I didn't have my little jingle at the start or at the end. Like, producer Pete, if he was listening, if you're listening now, all I can say is I'm sorry. You taught us well and I let you down. But let's look at who didn't let me down. Wait for it. I am pleased to say that I have some listeners' questions. Um, I've got a handful of questions. So what I'm going to do is just kind of do one question a week. Um, one of the questions I'm actually going to turn into a long podcast, so that might come out next week. So the first question I'm going to go with is from Caitlin from Newcastle, who messaged me um, on Instagram, and she kind of worded it just to kind of say that she does believe in um, manifestation, um, but she doesn't really have a process of like sitting down and doing like meditations or affirmations. And and is this okay that she's not doing that? So the, so that's kind of the question. My response to that, and, and, and actually Martin and I were talking about this um, yesterday, Martin from Canny Crystals, we were kind of like saying like, you know, is it needed when you are getting the things that you want? Is it needed to do that kind of um, focused attention every day? And I guess there's two answers to this. One, I was watching um, something that Rhonda Byrne did of um, author of The Secret and the Magic, etc. And she did this live and she was talking about, I think somebody must have asked a very similar question. And she'd said, no, you shouldn't be doing it every day because if you've put it out to the universe, then if you're asking for it day after day, means that you don't believe it's coming. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think when you are first starting out to ask for something, if you're asking for it anyway, you probably have that underlying like, oh my God, what happens if it doesn't happen kind of feeling. And if it's something that you haven't got and you want it, then, you know, you need to do that kind of core mindset work to be able to sit in that space and really visualize that it's going to happen. And that takes time. That takes you taking time out of your day to visualize it, to sit in the outcome. Because if you're just going around your, you know, day, just working, life admin, all that type of thing, then your mind will wander and it will go back to the feeling of not having it. So if that's the space you're in and the thing that you want you don't have yet, then you definitely need to do that conscious manifestation every day because your subconscious is doing something else. So I do think that 
if you haven't got what you want and you have a slight resistance to it, it is absolutely worthwhile doing your manifestation process every day. And as I say, um, the one that I teach in my month to manifest is really simple and really short. It literally takes less than five minutes. However, when you get to the point where you have what you want and you're living the life that you want to live, then kind of take it as a, you know, it's a, it's a test kind of process. If you're not getting the other things that you're wanting, then maybe you need to sit in that space. But if you're already starting to attract in and you're high vibe, high energy, then the likelihood is you'll just keep attracting more of it and you won't need to do that kind of conscious focused work. So I hope that answers the question. If you have any more questions, please do DM me and I'll start stacking them up um, and getting your questions answered live on the podcast. So today I have brought Holly Matthews to the guest list. Holly Matthews is an author. She's a life coach. She is an actress. She's a podcaster. But most of all, she is founder of The Happy Me Project. And Holly and I met because... She did a TED talk in Newcastle, although she doesn't live in Newcastle, she's from Newcastle, which was fantastic because she got to do a TED talk in her hometown. And it just so happened that it was a it was a series of TED talks that I'd went to watch and Holly was um um presenting. No, what would you delivering, delivering a TED talk. And it was fantastic. And a lot of what she said resonated in terms of experiences and the fact that she was a life coach. And I was lucky enough that I was sat near the front. And as the universe delivers, we managed to get a conversation. As adorable as she is, she kept in touch. We've messaged on Instagram. We've spoke over the phone. Like, it's been a lovely, lovely connection to have. And so, Holly, hello. Hello, thank you. What a gorgeous intro. I'm just sat here listening. I'm like taking it in. I'm like, she sounds great. Let's, let's listen to her. Um, it was, <laughs> it was so lovely. <laughs> yeah, because we know the chaos behind the scenes of our own stuff. So I'm like, she sounds fantastic. Yeah. She's, she I mean, it's not the hot mess. Yeah, she's done great for herself. It's only when somebody lists it all back that you're like, oh yeah, fair play to me. I've done all right. Um, but it was, it was gorgeous to, it was gorgeous for us to connect at the TED Talk. And the mm. TED Talk was such a pivotal thing for me because it really was something that was on my vision board, my goals board. You know, it was something that I really wanted to do. I was a, you know, probably like you as well, I'm no doubt. Like I was such a geek when it came to like TED Talks. Like I just loved yeah, them. Love them. And it was, it was just on my list of like, I really want to do a TED Talk. And what happened with it was that I talked about wanting to do a TED Talk. So that's the first step. Talk about the stuff you want. Talked about yeah. it to everybody. And I was doing some events in Newcastle. And it was probably about a year after that. But I talked about it at the event. You know, I'm encouraging other people to talk about their stuff they want to do. And it just so happened that somebody that was at one of my events then ended up um, her brother was organizing that TED talk Beautiful. and he said to her, do you know anyone that wants to do a TED talk? And she was like, well, I do actually. And I got that message and it was like the, the theme of it, what was the theme of it? Cause the theme of it was like, it couldn't, it was all about resilience. I can't remember the, the exact thing, but it was like, it couldn't have been a better topic. I don't know if you yeah, remember it. Was it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember, but I know, obviously it was very, because the, Emily Dean was there and she was talking about her yes. book, which was yeah. all about kind of overcoming 
Hers was overcoming the death of her family. And yeah, so there was loads. It was definitely more mindset than anything else. It was brilliant. It was. It was such a good one. And it was, so it was something that the topic was right. It was at my old college in Newcastle where I used to go to college. And it was, it couldn't have been more perfect. I don't think I could have said yes to something quicker. And so being able to then meet you at that event and connect with people, it was so lovely. Like it, it's such a, a beautiful thing to be part of, such a beautiful brand. And I definitely walked around just taking pictures all day, like an actual nerd, just like next to the TED site. <laughs> I mean, when I get my TED talk, I'll be all over that. I'll be standing on the T, the E, the D. Yeah. I'll be lay across them all. Yeah, Let's um, never, like, I'm never not going to be a nerdy person who gets excited by stuff. The minute we stop being chuffed to bits to do stuff, then we've lost we've lost the magic because I'm still like excited about life and like excited about stuff like that. Like I'm not going to pretend that I'm like all above it. Oh, I'm so above this. T-. No, I'm st- I'd, I'd be the same if I went again. <laughs> so before, we, well, do you know what? Before we get into all of that amazing stuff and mindset and vision boards and and creating your your life and and carving out your manifestations and your goals I know you talk about it a lot on your social media but for anyone who's listening who this is their first introduction to Holly Matthews I mean Holly is on Lorraine every other minute so do you know what it'll only be that if you work full-time that you've missed it um and that you don't watch Lorraine um but tell us a little bit about like your starting point, I know about Hollyoaks, I know about um, the trauma that you and your girls went through as well. So, but, but tell the listeners, in a nutshell, your journey from little Holly at school to yeah. where you are now. Yeah, so I started, um, little Holly was 11-year-old me starting as a TV actress. So I started in TV when I was really young and I got that by writing a letter to the the producers at Biker Grove Kids TV nice. show from where we are from. Well done. I wrote them a letter and I said, my name is Holly and I am an actress. I affirmed it because I had no doubt in my mind whatsoever because why would you at 11? I was like, I'm an actress. Get me on your TV show. I'll be brilliant. Wrote them this letter. Um, it was said, I'm an actress. I have green eyes and brown hair. It was like, it was very descriptive. It was done in Comic Sans, which is really exciting for everybody. Um, and at the bottom, I put, Oh my God, I've got it somewhere because my mum and dad found it on um, their old computer and they made it onto a canvas for me. So I actually have it. Of course they did. I love that. It is hilarious. And it says, I'm not shy one bit, which is good to know, isn't it? When you're employing someone. And at the bottom it says, P.S. Please get um, right back soon because I was just dead keen to like for them to write back. So they got me on that TV show after that letter. After a few back and forth of auditions, they wrote me a part in. And I was on TV. I grew up on television. So I grew up seven years of my uh, my teen years on TV. And that in itself got me involved in self-development. Because as you can imagine, that was there was a lot of stuff going on for me. I was on a platform when nobody had platforms. There was no social media. If you were on telly, it was a big deal. My, ca- yeah, my kids couldn't have couldn't care less right now if I, I was on TV. They're like, everyone's on TV, mom. Everyone's got a YouTube channel. Who yeah. do you think you are? Like, yeah. It's not a big, not deal, big but deal. It was then, wasn't it? Right? Yeah. No big deal, mom. But it was a big deal back in the day to have that. And I had, you know, I went to a normal working class school in Newcastle, normal, you know, went to school 
for six months of the year and then would come back and forward. So I was, I started to realize one that I had huge issues with the way that I looked because every day I was going in and having a makeup artist correct my face. So I had huge body dysmorphic issues with myself, thought I was an actual ogre that shouldn't be out of the house. And that didn't feel good. And neither did a lot of the self-esteem stuff that I was developing like because of being on telly. So I started to, I li- and honestly, the, the truth is I got bored of my own nonsense. I got bored of feeling crap. And I decided there must be a way not to feel like this. And I started to explore what that looked like. Bear in mind, we didn't have the internet. You know, it was it was the 90s and in early 2000s. So we didn't, we weren't having like, we had like Encarta. And for people who are my age or older, they will remember Encarta CDs, which give you like, I don't know, a video of a bear or something. I don't know what it was, but anyway, we didn't have the internet. We had to go to the library and I used to go to the library and I used to get out like hypnosis CDs and and try and do self-development stuff when nobody was talking about it. And in that kind of, I guess, exploration, I figured out some stuff that helped me. And a lot of the stuff I was doing were things like affirmations and um, I could, like writing out journaling, things like that, um, meditation, wow. I did that from young. Um, and then I was still doing all the normal kid stuff. I was going out on the streets with my pals getting drunk and doing what normal Happy kids days. do. But I was, yeah. I was secretly meditating. I was a closet meditator. Nice. <laughs> so it was, it was, I did always have self-development in my world, but then I went on doing TV, you know, TV programs, Waterloo Road, Casualty Doctors, all of the stuff. And then signed to Sony, um, did MTV, Top of the Pops, all of that was, was very much in the entertainment industry. And I didn't think that I would do anything else. In 2014, the very quick bullet pointed version of all of this, my my trauma came when my husband Ross was diagnosed with brain cancer, rare brain cancer, the worst. And we went through three and a half years of uh, brain cancer diagnosis, chemo, radio, all of the stuff, brain surgeries that come with that. We've got at this point two young children and that's all in the mix of that. And I found that Self-development then became something that was at the forefront of my mouth and I was talking about it a lot more because I was having to dig so deep to walk through that stuff. And then in 2017, Ross died of brain cancer. And once again, I was like thrust into this new space and, you know, scrapping around trying to find how do I walk through this and, and using all of the tools that really realistically I had been doing for a long, long time. And I actually put, you know, the acting world taught was like my resilience boot camp. You know, mm-hmm. it was resilience boot camp. Get back up, gotcha. get back up. And and it really I'm very lucky that I had that because it wasn't it wasn't easy breezy before all of the really big life tough stuff. And that took me into making the Happy Me Project, which is my brand now. And that was an answer to everybody's messages. After my husband died, there was a huge... Ross's um, death was in the press and it was in national newspapers. And obviously I was on Lorraine a few times talking about it. So there was a lot of eyes on what I was doing. And that meant that people were going, how on earth are you navigating that stuff when I can't even deal with the fact that my kids been annoying me this morning and the house is a mess. Yeah. Like, I, how? And, you know, yeah. just like you and I have done, they, they we're looking for answers and looking for ways through. And my my favorite thing when it comes to self-development is to try and find low-hanging fruit, to try and find the stuff that's, like, 
easy wins because when we're in our trauma in the thick of it we ain't got time for some heavy weighty stuff we don't want to do it and we but we need something and so it was all about finding quick and sharp and easy ways to pull people through as well as doing the deeper stuff but you also need some some right now wins don't you and I think do you know what it is it's funny that you say that because I was thinking about before before we came on the podcast I was thinking how would I describe you and I think in terms of your what I love about your approach to coaching is it's simplicity. It's that no bullshit kind of no, like when anyone says to me, oh, such and such has done this and they've done NLP. Have you done NLP? I'm like, yeah, but I hated it. Like, it's just too wordy. Like a lot of the skill set's great, but did a guy deliver it? Who designed that stuff? Because he's literally made it. Like he will describe a technique that takes about four chapters when I could describe it in about one page and it's just too much, it's just too much. So that's what I love about your style. I think you get to the point. I think you um, you also kind of have that almost kind of prodding people a little bit to kind of go, you know, you don't need to yeah. think like that. Like, yes. what are you doing that for? That. Stop being yes. ridiculous. <laughs> I will often say I, I will definitely say like to my clients and stuff I'm like I you know I am the you know I will I will I will do exactly that I will prod you and I will challenge you and I will say sometimes I'll say things to get a reaction it's not like I don't mean that in a horrible way I mean that as in just break the habit break that cycle a little bit and then but I'll do that in a way that will and I'll scoop you up as well like I will scoop you yes. up and I will lovingly yeah. cheerlead you because I want you yeah. to win you know, I'm the same as you. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm obsessed yeah, yeah. with helping people win, whatever that yeah, looks like. like that, yeah. We have, like, solution minds. Like, I'm always look, looking for and researching and thinking there's quicker ways to this route. And, and you're the, I'm the same as you. I, I'm qualified in NLP and stuff as well. And and I always found, like, it's too. this is too long a script. This is too long. One, it's it feels very, like, long. Why is it so long? Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like we need that. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. And I felt the same. I felt a bit of resistance. And I, I use parts of the NLP stuff, but I've definitely adapted it because 100%. it doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be that I'm long. like, why has it even got that long name? It doesn't even have that, that long name. Just shorten it. It's ridiculous. Well, I, it's, it is. And don't, no one knows what it means outside of people who've trained in it. <laughs> no one. Okay. It's completely none. I remember just being like, I thought when I first learned about NLP, I know we're going off track and I'm going to bring us back in a second. But when I first learned about it, my limited belief came back of me going, oh my God, I'm not smart enough to to learn this stuff. Like this is too much for me. And what I realized was afterwards, no, actually this stuff is really simple. Somebody's just made it complicated. And it's like, it's like when people come to me and they go, yeah, like I'm just really struggling with this, this and this. And immediately I go, brilliant. Like I can help you with all of that as an issue. Mm -hmm. And I'll go, have you had another therapy before? Yeah, so I saw a therapist for a year and then I saw this other person for a year. And I'm like, you don't need to see people for a year. Like if I see you for a year, then what I'm doing is not working. Like I can sort everything that you listed on paper in 12 sessions. It doesn't need to be a year. If it's a year, it's too complicated. Well, this is it. And I think sometimes what happens is when people are perpetually following this cycle of seeing different therapists, different things all the time, it's because they're still telling themselves they're broken and nobody's ever said to them, you don't need fixed. 
You don't need fixed. You're not broken. You need. To, you might need some tools to to use, but you're not broken. You're not. There's not. And I think we can certainly in self development world, people can get stuck in this cycle. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Like I don't want my clients to stay with me forever and ever and ever. There's no. different spaces that I, you know, in terms of my one on one stuff, I've got a, a coaching membership, which is different because the Happy Me Project membership is more like a gym for your mind. That's your up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your yeah. day. That's it, whether it's meditating or challenging your Setting mind. intentions, goals, yeah. That's it, yeah. That's a different thing because that's the upkeep. That's what you and I will do every week. We'll be doing bits yeah. and bobs out of that toolbox. But it, you, you don't, the deeper stuff, you don't need to be doing that for any length of time. And, and I often have the same. I'll have people that have been doing counseling or they've been doing other modalities of, of therapy or working through their stuff. And then we'll do a few sessions and they're like, oh, nobody's ever said it like that before. And it isn't because I'm special or anything. It's because they've, it's been overcomplicated. And so some, and nobody's ever called them out on the fact that they're just in a perpetual state of telling themselves they're not good enough. That's the issue. The other stuff that's happened to you, the outside stuff, that, that's so a lot of that's not even in your control, but you telling yourself yeah. you're a rubbish human being, that's in your control. We can work on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... I, w- I wonder if the reason why we both come at it from a similar genre, because obviously there's different coaches do different things, and I wonder whether it is that that trauma, because I think once you deal with a trauma like that and you realise, Jesus, if I can deal with that, I can deal with anything. Like, you know, the, the worrying yeah. about what ifs kind of don't come into the scenario anymore because you kind of go, well, hang on a minute... That 16-year-old me who dealt with the suicide of a fiancé or the... How old were you when that happened? When Ross died, I was 32. I was 29 when he was diagnosed. So, so your, your 32-year-old self who managed to, to, to support your children, figure out what that looked yeah. like, overcome the loss of your soulmate, like, you will never go through anything that tough again. So everything else... Is child's play for yeah. you coming forward, and and that's it's just that's not to say that. I think that's it. Yeah, that's not to say that shit won't happen to us along the way, and all no, the stuff we have to course. deal with. And we don't get a let off, this... unfortunately, do we? <laughs> it's not that one thing, and then nice. that's it. You're done now. No, um, that'd be good, wouldn't it? You could just. Well, I've had yeah. my trauma. I've had mine now. Yeah. I've got my badge. I've had my trauma. No yeah. more, thank you. I just want the, the lovely stuff. So tell me then, right? Let's let's get into the good stuff because. Holly's mindset is she's done the work on it. Um, she's working on it with clients. Um, tell me a little bit about, because I asked you before we came on the podcast, I was like, just so you know, this is a manifestation program. I'm pretty sure you do believe in manifestation. You were like, hell yes. And then you just launched yes. into your your um, your manifestation story of your book. So I'm guessing you've got loads of good stories. So come on, spill. Oh my God. Tell me the one about the book. I'm spilling them. So the book, let's start with that because I, I always knew I would write a book, right? I did. I just knew I would. And that sounds very egocentric. I don't care, right? I just, I knew I would write a book. I've done a lot of stuff. It it was to go in a book, right? So I always had this vision of, you know, in the UK, going into Waterstones, the big bookshop and thinking, right, there's my book in Waterstones. And so when I, well, actually, let me just take you back to the first time I went on Lorraine, after I'd done the TV show, they'd the producer came to me and she said, um, oh, you should totally write a book. Now I said, and I think this in itself is part of the manifestation process, as in talk about the stuff you want, right? You put 100%. your order in. So, so she said to me, you should write a book. And I said, oh, well, I've already done the proposal. Can I come back on the show when I've written it? 
I had not written that. I had not written that proposal. That I didn't even know what I was doing in a book, right? I was making that up. That was lies. Um, but I said, I thought, I'm just going to say that because then it will force me into actually the, you know, action mode. I'll have to do something then. So I put that out there. But again, there was no panic because I didn't know how to do it. I've never written a book before. I didn't know what the route to that was. But I just thought, right, I'm going to put it on my little notice board. That's what I want to do. I knew I wanted... There were certain non-negotiables for me within that. I wanted it to be with a big publisher. I didn't want to self-publish. No um, shade either way. I think there's different routes. It's a quicker route if you self-publish, but I wanted to go with a publisher. I wanted that tick in the box of a publisher. So I wanted that. I knew that even though I didn't know how it was going to exactly flow, I knew that I wanted it to be a very flickable book that people could use in their times of difficulty when they could just read a couple of read a couple of pages and then that be enough to give them something somewhere to go. Again, so I knew that was important. I wanted it to be, I, I imagined it in my head. I imagined this white book. I knew it was going to be white. I knew it would be bold font on the front, that it would be really eye-catching. And obviously my brand is black, white, and like a fuchsia pink. So I knew it would probably have that element to it. I could imagine it in my head. I knew how it was going to feel when you opened it. I knew it was going to have pull-out quotes in it. I knew what it was going to feel like. And bear in mind, I didn't design the book. That's not my job. So somebody else does that. And so the whole process of the book, I just thought to myself, I've just got to learn what's the route that I'm the kind of obvious route. I'm going to talk about the fact I'm writing a book and I'm going to see what happens. Now, what actually happened is I put that on Instagram. I'm writing a book and I put it on Instagram because again, I was owning my goals. I was saying, this is what I'm going to do. Then what yeah. happened is Somebody contacted me, a lady called Holly. I mean, she's called Holly for God's sake, even that in itself. Beautiful. I manifested a Holly, right? So I've, I've, she's messaged me and she said, what, um, would you like to put a proposal to me? I work for Bloomsbury Publishing. And I nearly fell off my chair because I knew that Bloomsbury are like the ones that do like Harry Potter and stuff. Like I knew they yeah. were big. But I, I did kind of look up, like, is this Flumesbury or something? Like, is this actually Bloomsbury? Is this like some, is this a fake one? Is this a snide version? When I realized that it was Bloomsbury, I threw my phone across the room because that's what I do in the blind panic of like, oh my God, I've got to do some stuff. So I panicked. Then I got my shit together again. I was like, right, come on then. We've got to, make, we've got to do what's next. But each stage was just what's next? What do I do next? And I didn't have any pressure on myself that this was going to be like I didn't think right it's got to be you know Bloomsbury or I'll die I just thought I know I'm going to get the book out I've got to find a route and there was no resistance because of that I just kept thinking okay I've never done this before I'll stay open to it I don't know what I'm doing so let's just put the proposal in and then it was you know send us the a, a sample chapter okay I'll do that just do the next thing just I was taking what you would you know what you call um inspired action I guess in manifestation yes, so I was taking action I wasn't ignoring it, but I was just, I was just not stressing about it. I'd put my order in, I talked about it. And then halfway through 2020 lockdown life, when we're in the thick of homeschooling, whatever the hell that is. Um, and I'm in the thick of that. And I get an email that just says offer on the email. God, I remember I this because like, oh we spoke God. around that time. Because yeah, we, we had spoke, hadn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I was on the... Was just like, yeah. That was unreal because I remember going, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's amazing. And then you told us yeah. how long it takes to actually get it to the publication yeah. stage. And I was like, shut Two years. up. 
two years. <laughs> two years. But the, do you know, <laughs> weird, enough. like suddenly that feels really quick because you're so in the thick of doing it and everything. And, I, and as I was just sharing with you before we um, went on this podcast, I had an event that was essentially a book launch, but it was a, it was a restival event where we had a whole day of positive mindset and it was just lush, had different speakers on and different people. And it was very much bringing the book to life and, and bringing each chapter to life with activities and things. And we had a huge, I had this huge, um, it was actually the same size as me, pretty much like I was like an inch taller than it, which is hilarious. I'm only small like you. So we're only little, it was the same size as me, the book, um, blown up massive. And I remember just looking at it during the, the rest of all and just thinking, oh my God, like that is the book I thought about because during the process as well, um, I didn't add this in, but I would visualize the book happening. So I would visualize walking into Waterstones and seeing my book. I would visualize being sat on Lorraine again, talking about the book. I would visualize, you know, seeing people with the book. And it's it, over the last month that that absolute madness has happened. Like, and I'm seeing all of those visualizations, how I imagined them come to life. Now, this, for those that are new to your podcast, this is not like, this isn't magic. Like you can, well, you, maybe you think it's magic. I don't know, but it doesn't have to be magic. It's just how things work when you let go of the resistance and the fear and you just go, there'll be a route. And certainly when we're talking about trauma, that's the same when it comes to that, right? It's, there's a route, there's a route through. You might yeah. not have all the answers straight away, but there's a route. Yeah, yeah. And I think if if you were, if somebody had said to you before that happened, how would you cope if this happened to you? You'd go, well, I wouldn't be able to. And, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and yet when you're in it, actually, what we are as humans is incredibly powerful. We are way more capable than we give ourselves credit for. And actually, when the shit hits yeah. the fan, we cope. It's the stuff in our head we don't cope with. I say this all the time. It's the stuff in our head that we can't cope with. But what I want to ask you, because your your mindset's pretty fantastic in a sense of you. It's like, um, and I'm guessing you haven't heard this, but as you're talking, and you're going to love your the comparison I'm going to give you right now. Um, and I've said this on the podcast because it was such a brilliant episode. So Holly Tucker, oh another Holly, Holly Tucker from. Um, uh, not on the high street she founded it she's got a podcast yes. she interviews Charlotte Tilbury it's one of the best podcasts I've heard in such a long time um, and, and you need to listen back to it because you sound just like her right so she, so oh, so Holly said to, yeah no Holly said to Charlotte like could you ever have imagined that you would have the brand that you have now and she went yeah she went, I know that sounds crazy, but yeah, I did. I did imagine it. I totally believe that you will visualize and, and I can't remember the terminology she used. So I'm not even going to try and, and, and kind of mm. see it over the top of it. But she said something about visualizing and it comes to life, essentially. And, yeah. and she was brought up with, in terms of her back thing, uh, she was talk, brought up with very kind of like, um, um, oh, what's the word you would call them? I don't want to call them eccentric parents, but it sounded very much like mm. this amazing, amazing like lifestyle. She was brought up in Ibiza. She went to a private school over there. Right. I think her father was an artist, all that type of thing. So you can imagine that it was a lifestyle of you can do anything. So therefore, she doesn't have to work on any limit and beliefs because she just overcame them as she went through the journey because she has parents who embody that. Yeah. yeah? 
So where did Holly's mindset? That as well. Okay, good. Yeah, good. well, actually, I interestingly, I, def- I definitely am very lucky in that. Well, one, my parents were punks, so they believed in nonconformity from the beginning. Although I don't really remember them being punks, they were, um, and they yeah. like. They, I was very lucky that I do have a really supportive family, you know, Geordie, working class, normal, down to earth, but also don't nail your feet to the ground. Like my parents very, I mean, I've talked to them about this and obviously since the book's come out, there's been a lot of conversations around the things I've shared in the book because my dad was one of my early readers and he was like, as a writer, like as a reader and, you know, as as a writing piece, it's fantastic. It's really good and it's really on the money for your audience. As a parent, it's really hard to read some of the chapters because of the things you've shared and it's, and I was Uh there and I maybe I didn't understand or... Um, but they mm. really did give me that support in that they just let me be like I was a creative oddbod who was allowed to just be that you know being nice. a, they never stopped me being an actor when I left um doing acting and I was you know when I left the tv show and I was doing singing there was no they never put restrictions they never once said to me get a spe-, you know get a um get a plan b they never said that to me. They didn't because they knew one. They knew that I wouldn't do it because that doesn't that <laughs> doesn't really factor into my brain. I'm like, jump in, work it out. <laughs> this doesn't work. And it is funny mm. because I did share with you before this that um, I was diagnosed as an adult with ADHD, and yeah. it's interesting to look back on that as a how that looked as a child because it's blatantly obvious when you look back. Um, just yeah. that nobody in the nineties had anything, did they? <laughs> nobody had anything, obviously, because no. nobody knew about no, that no, no, stuff. No. Um, but just no, everyone was fine. Everyone was fine. Everyone's trauma was just real deep. Then. Yeah, <laughs> nobody was dyslexic. Deep. They were just stupid. No, nope. like all of the just no. stupid. Yeah, just naughty, yeah. stupid, yeah. or weird. So I yeah. probably sat in the weird category and mm-hmm. was, but I was allowed to be that. And I think that's dead important. And my dad would often say, "The world is your oyster," and he would say to me, "Don't stay here." Not because he doesn't love Newcastle; he's still there. And, and, and but what he was trying to say to me was broaden your horizons. He would say, you. know like speak to different people learn about different people understand different um you know different understandings of the world and and they always Mm. gave me space to have that mindset and I think I've realized like even if I look back to when I got that part on Biker Grove when I was a kid I still do business in the same way I jump first and work it out afterwards and I say and I've and I've got braver with that you know I like there was a time when I, I was steeped in all of that doubt that you get when you're in secondary school, I guess, where people say to you, who do you think you are? Who does she think she is? And all of that. And I was, there was, there was lots of work that had to be done in that because I used to self-sabotage a huge amount because, you know, I, spe- I think as well, coming from a, a, a working class area, money was always an issue for me because I had money as a kid when no one around me had money. I was earning more than some of people's parents around me. I mean, Ooh, I didn't have access nice. to it because mm-hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. But it was it was a weird space because I would get comments. Have you got a hundred pound for your dinner money? People were always trying to get money off me. And it, thankfully, my parents were really good and they protected that for me and, you know, made sure that I had that when I was when I was older, but that brought a lot of stuff for me because there was a lot of negativity attached to money then. There was a lot of negativity attached to me succeeding and I developed the limiting belief, if I succeed, if I make money, it makes other people uncomfortable. Not like you, yeah. And 
And that's not very nice, is it? Because no one wants to do no. that. You don't want to, you don't, nobody instinctively wants to be not liked. And so I've yeah. had to do loads of work on that. But I really think like the fact of just having that cushion of people around me that go, that's just how she is, leave her be, she'll work it out. Like even if in my chaos, they've just, they'll let me work it out. And they'll, nice. I think they now are at a stage where they're like, she probably just will. Like she will find a way through, leave yeah. me be. <laughs> and you do, and you have, you've got that. Um, you've got that kind of creative mindset where you are always on, always on. Like, mm. I don't think I've ever spoke to you when you haven't been at the level that you're at just on this podcast. And if you, you know, please yeah. do go and follow Holly because she shows up like this every day on her Instagram um, mm. and you will get this level every day. And that's because that's inside of you, Bussin. Now, so, so that makes sense then. So you, you've, probably had very few limited beliefs and the ones that you did you kind of thought hang on a minute I need to work through this shit because this isn't serving me kind of feeling Mm -hmm. so tell me then if there's somebody out there let's think let's think who might be listening that might need the support of say they they haven't been through trauma and they are worrying about the what ifs like oh my god but I can't do that once if this would happen and they've got that self-doubt that limited belief what what would be some key takeaway that you what one key takeaway that you could give them right now that they could take away from this podcast and have as an action you know like I, I know you did yeah and again go and visit Holly's page because that book launch was something else I messaged you and I was like Oh my bloody god, so that good. looked amazing! It was so I, I'm good. I'm gonna do really something well in Newcastle, so you have to come. You have to come. I'm to definitely want to come. Definitely want to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry. So going back to that, then. So I know you had lovely little exercises for people to do. So one exercise or one key takeaway that somebody could go. Do you know what? Actually, I don't need to think like this. Yeah. Okay. There's so many, but I'm gonna sit on with spot. one. Yeah. Like, it was, but it's okay. Um, so what I would say is one of the, the things that I would really... First of all, you've got to know what you want. Like, there's no... You you can't sit... If a lot of the time, you know, and you'll find this as well, clients will come to me and it's like, well, I don't want to feel like this. Well, that's fine. I know you don't want to feel like that, but what do you want to feel like? Because just not wanting to feel like this isn't an action for our brains. Like, that's not pointing the car anywhere. That's just... I don't want to feel like this. Okay, so what do you... So you really need to work out what you want. Now, you don't necessarily have to know the route to get there, but it could start with... I always think about it like the ingredients of your life. So you want to think about if your life was a lovely pie, what would be the ingredients you would want in that pie? Because if you don't decide... You're going to get dust in there. You're going to get mud and some stones. And it's not going to taste like a very delicious pie. It's going to taste like somebody else just chucked some stuff in there. And that's sometimes what happens to people. And then they come to you or I and they say, I feel lost. And it's because they haven't made any decisions. Now, if you are in a space of going, I just don't know which way to park the car, then my advice to you would be to explore different things but don't have an end goal on it like don't think right if I go to this class or I take this course or I go to this country then that's going to be the key just think to yourself I'm going to have lots of experiences I'm going to try different things and if nothing else it's going to be a really great story 
right? If you're going to do a knitting class, so you're going to go to Bali or you're going to go to Great Yarmouth and ride a donkey. I don't know, right? You're going to do some stuff and you're going to export and you're not going to have like, this is the thing. Because when we put this is the thing, this is going to be my purpose. That's too big a deal. Like that's, that's too much. You won't try anything because you'll become, you'll slip into perfectionist mode then, won't you? So look at what it is that you want first get some ingredients write some stuff down some people might call this your values if we were talking about self-development list of values but I like to think about it like what are the ingredients that you need in your life so for me freedom that's the one of the biggest like value I need that ingredient if somebody tells me what to do what to wear I'd, I'm out I don't want to do it I'm not interested it's that would make me sad um what I, I'm going to ask you actually I'm going to throw it back to you what would be an ingredient in your life that you need um definitely time for me I didn't realize I needed that Mm. um Mm. and I think having my own business I know there's some bits that I missed out on from my old job so my old job I used to do a lot of driving because I covered a huge I covered like half the country so Scotland down to Birmingham Island all that and I'd go down to London a lot and I'd have a lot of me time I'd have a lot of travel time a lot of Mm. thinking time so actually, I know I need that thinking time. So I'll tell you what's a difficult oh, yeah. day for me. is a Friday, the irony of it. Um, we're recording this on a Friday. Um, because it's a full-on day, back-to-back normally. I don't know why clients seem to like a Friday. Um, so it's a full-on back-to-back day. And then I get in, and then I've got the little one running up to us, asking us questions, telling us about his day. I've got the teenager coming up and telling us about her day. And then I've got my husband, who's kind of like... Not that he needs or wants my attention, bless him, but he's there and I need to say yeah. something to him. Yeah. And I sometimes I just think, like, oh, there would have been a nice, if I'd had a longer drive home, yeah. <laughs> I could have got, I could have got that little time. bit of space. Oh, yeah, that's so what so I realised was on holiday, and I did this last year, uh, um, we went to Italy last year and the, the, the time last year was we had to, um, oh, what do you call it, isolate for five days I think it was um, because of COVID and I thought you know what I might just go for a little run like in a morning because we've got nothing else to do we're not rushing to like the pool Mm -hmm. or whatever oh my god it was the best thing that I've ever done like not the running part I'm not uh, yeah I do like running but it was just that time so it was like 40 minutes where I didn't have to talk to anyone, I didn't have to think about anyone else, mm. and I was like, Jesus, this is what I need on holiday every year, which is nuts, I didn't realise I needed it until yeah. I had it. So, freedom, definitely one that. thing. Yeah. And must, but how do you, uh, in fact, I was thinking about you with this, how do you get your time, because you are a single parent, when do you get that yeah. break for Holly, because you're working all the time do the kids go yeah. to grandparents do you have any kind of respite or is it full they on? do but not not massive it's quite full-on and I don't always get that balance right um but my kids are pretty good in that I say this this is probably not necessarily true it depends they can be pretty good in knowing if I say I'm I, I we have like things that we say in our house and I'll sometimes say look I'm at my limit that is my like yeah. I'm at my limit I'm at my limit so I need some time you're gonna have to give me some time and I I'm very I get really bad sensory overload so I can mm-hmm. like I have to walk around with headphones on a lot in the house because I need that space I can't concentrate I can't think if there's noise or so I will have that space I mean I get that space day to day because when the kids are at school 
I'm, I work, I'm fairly solitary in my working life, mostly. Um, I try not to be, and that, that balance is also needed as well. So I do get a fair bit of me time overall, but it is still, it, my kids are still quite young, and there are a lot of challenges with, you know, you'll know yourself, with having children, um, especially children who've been through trauma. So they do mm -hmm. need a lot more hand-holding, perhaps, than their peers would sometimes. Um, so I do have to carve the way for that. I do get, sometimes mm -hmm. I get, you know, grandparents having them and stuff, but at the moment, because of where the kids are at emotionally, it's not always, that doesn't actually feel that comfortable, because mm -hmm. they're, I know they're not going to love that. And so that yeah. doesn't allow me as the parent to switch off that well because I'm, I'm then wanting to like micromanage what's happening for them knowing that I'm going to have them come back like absolute bulls in China shops. Whereas actually in our space, we have a, a lot of space to find that calm. Um, but yeah, I think that going back to the in, initial question of, I think yeah, it's we went off track. Off. We, we, we went <laughs> off on a track. But... Find the ingredients because mm -hmm. it is important because people need to also know what other people are. I think it's good to know what other people's ingredients are because then you can think, oh, mm. maybe because even you say me time, that's actually really important to me. I'm a confident extrovert. So I need mm. that reboot. Like if I do a yeah. whole event Refuel. when I did the rest of all, I was done in for the rest of the yeah. week. I had to like not see people because I was peopled out after that. And I love people. I genuinely, I am love hearing people's stories and their stuff, but I know that that drains my battery a little bit. So I think that's important. And I think just the follow-up to that is when you've got a vague idea of, look, I think I need these ingredients. It's looking at what is the story that you are telling yourself about whether you can have that or not. Because what is the story? Because if you're telling yourself the story that is full of limiting beliefs, and I mean, we can, you can do this as an exercise, as in you can write down old bullshit story where I can't have the things that I want, where people like me don't get that, where people like talk like me, look like me, um, from the area that I'm from, where they can't have those things. That's your bullshit story. You can tell me that, you can tell me that bullshit story all day long and I'm going to find you somebody else that's had a similar circumstance and is still winning. So we're not going to play that game, right? Because I will, I will call you out on that. So you've got your bullshit story. Then you can look at, okay, so if I were to create a new lovely story where all of my ingredients were in, were met and I, I had this lovely, gorgeous pie of a life that was full of all of those ingredients, what would the story I need, I would need to tell myself be? What would that look like? And you can write that yeah. out or as like a journal, you could do it as a day in the life of when you've achieved the things you've achieved, you're living that dream life and you can write that down and you can start to identify with that because sometimes we are saying the words as in, yeah. I want this life, but we're not connected because we don't really believe we can have it because we're still, we're still sat in the old bullshit story hanging out there. Yeah but we don't need to hang out there. We need to, we need to write a new story and storytelling is really key. Like when I think about the language that we use, like think about the way you describe things, you know, that definitely sits in that NLP um, space, but language is key. How we talk about a situation, whether it's our trauma or the goals or the things that we want, it's, um, that's what will, that will be your reality. That's where you will sit. So really be careful of how, what the story you are telling and, and what, what that looks like. 100% I'm sure I've done an episode on that if I haven't then apologies but I'm sure I've done an episode on um the fact that we might be saying we want certain things so say I don't know say somebody wants a relationship 
But then somebody says to you, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, still single. Like, God, yeah, it's just hard. <laughs> yes. Like, and they talk about it being yeah. hard and they talk about the dating scene being horrible. Yeah. They talk about the fact that there's no good men out there or whatever, vice versa. Okay, if you're yeah. saying those words out loud, you actually believe them. Therefore, dating will be hard and it will be awful. Yeah, and you will question it when there's a guy comes along. So therefore, it just ends yeah. up being this lovely You'll, little You won't trust him. You won't, absolutely. Yeah. This is so true. You've, you've got to almost, and I wrote about this in my book, but you've got to think about your brain as if it's the mm-hmm. algorithm on TikTok. You know, the algorithm yeah. on TikTok is like super potent and it knows more about you than your like nearest and dearest. And it's no, like, you don't want yeah. anyone to see it because you're like, oh my God, like that's me. Like, how does it know? It knows, right? So knows. your brain is the same. So if you keep telling your brain, I'm the single friend, I'm the friend that doesn't succeed. I always, yeah. whatever the horrible story you tell, your algorithm in your brain is like, okay, we'll show you more of that then. <laughs> you want to see yep. more of that? No. The reticular activating system kicks that. in. Yes. Yeah. Kicks in. It's and like, then it just oh, starts going, um, pew, oh, pew, yeah. pew, 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 pew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We're not oh my God, that. there's so been some good stuff in this podcast. Some really good stuff in this podcast. Thank you so it. much for coming on. Like, Jesus, there'll have to be a part two at some point. Um, that was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I love that. Holly, you are Me fantastic. Too. You're definitely one Thank of the life you. coaches in the life coaching space that I absolutely admire and I love your style and I think you appeal to a hell of a lot of people in terms of how you deliver it so yeah definitely I'll put the links to Holly's pages etc um and everything in there um and you'll definitely get a lot of value when you start following her so thank you so so much Holly thank you so much for having me so I recorded that with Holly on Friday and thought to myself oh I'll do the outro on Sunday and as you can hear my voice is horrific and I've got a day full of clients Um, so wish me luck wish my poor clients luck who've got to listen to this Um, and yeah just a big thank you (coughs) for everyone who's sent in questions um and fingers crossed i won't be croaking on um the next episode of the podcast have a good one everyone um enjoy the sunshine thank you so much for listening to the unbreakable mindset podcast with me your host jude don't if you have enjoyed this episode then please do share with others and it would mean a huge deal to me if you would rate review follow and subscribe on your podcast app this will allow the podcast to keep growing and going to new audiences and if you want to know all the ways in which you can work with me directly please visit judedont.com coaching.co.uk the links will be in the show notes are you the creative type and you already know lots of cool things photoshop can do like create eye-popping images for social and gorgeous graphics for t-shirts and posters but did you also know it can instantly turn a gray sky into a fiery sunset change black and white to color in a click or make anything in your photo magically disappear maybe you're wondering can anyone use photoshop to take images from ordinary to amazing nope everyone can visit photoshop.com and get started for free